0: Um, so we've been talking about this theme um, in our small groups of apprenticeship to Jesus for the past, I guess this has been two weeks we've been doing that. And Leslie spoke about this last week. Just the the idea of deciding to follow Jesus was kind of the, the theme, deciding to be an apprentice of Jesus. So my sermon today, what I'm going to be talking about today, is the how do we do that? What, what's next? So if you're still in this, the place of kind of thinking through that decision, I would invite you to definitely go listen to Leslie's sermon from last week on our podcast. Um, That's what Debbie was referencing earlier. We put all our sermons, ideally we try to put all of them on the podcast because we have things happen like fall camp where a lot of our friends were gone and so we missed you guys and so you guys can catch up and and not miss some of what happened here while you were gone. So um, that's what we'll be talking about today is apprenticeship to Jesus, how to apprentice, how to follow Jesus, how to do it once you've decided to do it. So, one of the things I want to make sure to just remind you about is, um, is just this idea of the word apprentice and why we're even using that. It just has a lot more of the tangible aspects to it that the word like follow doesn't have. I mean, it does in the old kind of way of thinking about following, you'd literally have to follow somebody, but now following is tapping a button, you know what I mean, on social media. It kind of loses its tangibleness or whatever. So, apprenticeship has that, and in discipleship, the word disciple we've used a lot. That um, is not really used anywhere else in the world. You know what I mean? Like that's not a thing that we really use outside of Christianity. Whereas the word apprentice has been used for ages in trade, in a learning something, learning a trade or skill or whatever for a long time and spending decades learning something. And that's what we want to try to change our brains about a little bit as we think about following Jesus. Not just this I tap a button, follow him, or... I am a fan of, of this guy, and I like his stuff. It is an apprenticeship. We are taking time, slowly learning, but very purposefully learning to be like Jesus. And this isn't a new thing. We didn't come up with this. Uh, this word apprentice obviously is not new, but even the idea of, of talking about our relationship to Jesus that way isn't new. We can't take credit for it. It's an ancient way of talking about it. There's been different, like, resurgences of this. The whole spiritual formation movement, there's churches have led this kind of stuff, and so we've just seen the fruit of this and felt the need here in our, not just our our town, honestly, it didn't, I think this is a big need to change the way we think about following Jesus, but I think just in our current day, in our current culture, it's needed, and so we are taking what we see out in the world and that we think is a message for our day and for our culture today and adapting it for our community here. So I just want to shout that that out so that you guys don't think that Leslie and I are a lot smarter than we are. But Leslie is as smart as you think he is. she is, but I'm not. So, um, and this comes from the word talmudim. That's the Hebrew word for basically like what gets translated to disciple or student was a word used all the time to be in a, basically an apprentice of a rabbi. It was this lifelong thing that you did. And so when we translate that word in our Bibles to something like student or disciple, it loses some of that meaning, some of that cultural aspect that's really helpful to have that really gives the full weight of what that word means. So that's why we're using the word apprentice. I just wanted to, to refresh your memory if you had heard that already, and if you hadn't and you would missed that, then wanted to catch you up on that. So this message today assumes you've already decided that you want to apprentice under Jesus. I said that a second ago, um, that you've already decided that, and if you haven't, that's okay. This message still has things for you, but I want to talk about what happens after that. What happens after you've decided you want to be an apprentice of Jesus? What do we do next? Um, but if you've decided that you want to say yes to Jesus and you want to be his apprentice, that's what we're talking about. Not that you have it figured out. Not that you have already become fully enlightened and become exactly like Jesus, but that you want to say yes. You want to say yes to the invitation to be his apprentice. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and I'm going to prioritize practicality as much as I can because I think the word apprentice should lead us that direction, should lead us toward a practical Thing. And uh, my hope is that this leads us to some real practical changes in our own lives and not just sharing an interesting perspective or how to reframe the way you think about this. We're not just trying to th- change the way we think. We want to change how we live our lives. If we just change our thought, then it's kind of useless. So I want to start with the only real example that I've interacted with of uh, a friend of mine who was an apprentice um, in a trade he was a, his name is Clint, and he is a leather craftsman, basically. So I was thinking of my life, and I was like, you know, I've never learned a skill or trade. So I better, I better find somebody else who's done that. So Clint is a leather craftsman. And when he was a kid, his grandfather had been doing this for a long time here in Denton. And had been preparing saddles, making saddles, leather crafting, a lot of hand tooling, a lot of detailed stuff. Some of you guys know who I'm talking about. But so his grandfather did this and had done it for years before Clint was ever born. He was, like I said, his grandson, so two generations later. And Clint grew up around his grandfather and slowly got an interest in leather working, leather craftsmanship, and then slowly spent some time around his grandfather and started getting you know, a little bit more interested, started kind of learning how to do some things. Maybe once he was a little bit dexterous, could hold something down, hold it still while his grandfather was able to cut something, et cetera, things like that. And then slowly, Clint was able to do more things. He could, he could make a belt himself, or he could make a wallet himself, or he could help sew something or whatever. And then slowly over decades of time, um, now Clint's grandfather is gone, has been, has been gone for about five years, and Clint is now himself in his 40s. He is a leather craftsman. He's not learning anymore. He's still learning things every day. He's not an apprentice anymore in that sense. He has his own leather craftsman shop, but that took a long time for him to, to do. And it's actually right there, directly diagonal from our building here. So couldn't think of a more close and immediate example. So just, we're going to kind of reference Clint's story in that sort of practical analogy a couple of times throughout this sermon. So just be thinking about that. But, um, but that's one of the, the only practical apprenticeship um, Examples I can think of, I think there's a lot we can gain from thinking about that. So now I'm going to talk about basically this is a section in John 14 that has a lot here. I'm going to read the whole thing. Um, so you can flip there if you'd like. Um, and I think there's a lot we can glean from this. Of course, there's tons from Jesus' whole ministry we can glean about apprenticeship and how to follow him, so much that he said. But in this specific chapter, I kept finding multiple things. So I just want to read the whole thing to you guys. And then I'll, I'll shout out things throughout the rest of the sermon that reference this. So turn to John 14 with me, if you will. Jesus here is telling the disciples, um, basically trying to use this time. He has is getting closer and closer to the day that He will die. And so this is um, some conversations that are happening where He's trying to help make some things clear to the disciples, help answer some questions, and you'll notice there's some repetition um, that he's really trying to get through to them that's not quite getting through. So let's start at John 14one do Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and take you to myself, so that where I'm going you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, said Philip, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time? And you do not know me, Philip. The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do do it, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him, because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him, because he remains with you and will be in you. I'll not leave you as orphans, but I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live, you will live too. On that day, you'll know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father." I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but it's from the father who sent me. I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all these things and remind you of everything I've told you. Peace I leave with you, by peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you, I'm going away and I'm coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. I've told you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe." I'll not talk with you much longer, because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me. On the contrary, so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do as the Father commanded me. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask that this word, um, this conversation, these words you've spoken, um, would sink deeply in our hearts. Uh, You'd help us to understand them. That we may be as um, connected to the Father as you are, as connected to you, um, as you really wish that we would be, and as you wish the disciples would be, Lord, help us to keep and love Your Word. Help us to love You. Help us to learn how to apprentice under You. Amen, I pray. Amen. What if I just got my stuff and just like walked off, and you guys were like, oh, "That was that it." Um. So, let's talk about apprenticeship now. The first point I want to make about this, there'll be a slide behind me to remind you, is that apprenticeship is the way. It's the way to follow Jesus. The way to follow Jesus. Think about the word way that Jesus just spoke in that chapter. Say way. Jesus wasn't talking about a bar to reach, basically. He said he is the way. We don't arrive at a destination with Jesus. It's a way. Jesus is the way that we live. He's the way to actual truth, the way to actual life, life to the full. He's not just a good influence. or just a pretty good example for our lives. He's the way that we live. So, um, I want to show first, show the first diagram, the one that's complicated. Yeah. So, here is, it's a little hard with the microphone thing. So, Here's the way that uh most of us think about our options about following Jesus. Left from left to right they kind of go increasing order. So not for me, not interested, not going to go there, not for me. Casual admirer, fan of the hits, like oh man, Jesus said some cool stuff. I love the stuff that everybody else knows too. It's my favorite. The stuff that whatever was on the radio for a while, I love that stuff. Um holier than most, where you're kind of like your goals like I think I'm better than most people. I know more than most people. My standard is sort of like, as long as I'm a little better than most, then I'm cool. Then we get Jesus Freak over here. And then if you really get there, you get the two people who've achieved this level of Jesusness, Mother Teresa and Jeff Goldbroom, You fill in the blank here, you know, whoever else you think of. That's, I think, how most of us think about our options, whether, you know, funny or not, about following Jesus. We think there's an array, a sort of a spectrum. Does that make sense to you guys? despite the jokes you see what i'm saying now show the next one this is really it this is the way according to not just jesus but the entire bible it's a story of god's interaction with us as humans this is what we have we either not for me or apprentice of jesus let that sink in for a second while i take a drink because my throat's getting scratchy It takes me getting up here and realizing that coffee really is not great for your throat, what you're talking a lot. I depend on it for everything, but then once I'm speaking, it doesn't, it doesn't help. So it's not like there's a bunch of routes we can take. There's one way, and it's Jesus. And it's not just a casual approach to Jesus. It's apprenticeship to Jesus. So that's the way to follow it. That's the way to follow Jesus. And it's a very Jesus-centric way. That's why it's like, you know, that's, that's how we are saying he's the way And we're not kind of creating our own thing here about apprenticeship. It's just Jesus. So that's that's what I want us to kind of think about is I think sometimes we have sermons like this and we think you need to kind of go up a scale. You need to kind of like increase whatever your level is that you've chosen. And it's more like, no, you need to decide to do it or not to, is how I'd say it. So, um, and this is a really consistent idea in the Old Testament too. I wanted to just shout that out for a second because this is not something Jesus is coming on the scene saying that's totally new. Basically, Israel was either very in line with God's ways, very in line with what God wanted them to do, to have no other gods, or they were very outside of it. It's like they didn't have any middle ground really. They're they're kind of an example of what we ourselves are like too. And Isaiah also describes this and and predicts this that there'd be two distinct ways people would respond to the suffering servant being resurrected. They're either going to like accept him, repent, decide to serve him as well and follow him or decide to stay in their own way, to stay their own course and not go that way. And so that's been predicted before Jesus was even on the scene telling us the same stuff. So I just wanted to shout that out for a second so we know this is not new. This is what we can expect. So as we think about apprenticeship, I just want you to have this kind of thing in your mind. These are the choices. And now we'll move on to the the next more kind of formal point, which is apprenticeship requires lifelong goals. So if you're one of our small groups, you'll have you'll see you'll have already seen the diagram that John's going to put up here in just a second. But I'm going to have him wait for just a second. Um, and I want when I want to say when I say lifelong goals, I want to be clear. This isn't like if you haven't kept these your whole life, you're screwed. <laughs> it's not that idea. It's like if you ended up messing up once ever. Sorry, you're toast. I don't know if any of you guys have watched the Good Place that show. They end up basically discovering that like no one can get in like. Life is way too complicated in our day and age. Every single, oh, yeah, I probably should have. Well, This show has been over for like four years, right? Okay. Anyway, I'll just, I'll leave it there. But they basically discovered, but kind of no one can get in. It's, like, kind of impossible. Anyway, so um, the, the lifelong goals thing is not about perfect living. It is about these are goals we need to try our best at our entire lives. The goal is longevity. The goal is to stay in these. So now we can show this diagram if you'd be so kind. There we go. So, this is the diagram we showed in our small groups, and if you haven't seen it, um, it is within the whole framework of love Jesus, the goals to apprenticeship are to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And you'll notice that when we're doing all of those things in the middle there where it overlaps is apprenticeship to Jesus. So, these are lifelong goals. These are things that we don't check off. You know, these are things that we don't finish. These are things that we have to pursue and work at long term. So let's talk about each of them one at a time. Be with Jesus is pretty easy to understand. It is spending time with Jesus. At the meta level, this is really obvious. It's not necessarily said exactly in this way, but it's it's obvious in Scripture. Jesus spent a lot of time with his apprentices, with his disciples. He just spent years with them. And they learned so much from him. He got to learn a lot about them. They, got, they had a relationship. They spent time together. Another, on, another aspect of this is that Jesus modeled this exact thing himself by prioritizing spending time with the Father. There's so many instances in Scripture where the disciples are wondering where Jesus is and they're frustrated or whatever, and he's out prioritizing spending time with God, going to a quiet place and praying and spending time with God. So Jesus models that. In John 14, this, the chapter we read, there is several little phrases I'm going to repeat to you that shout out this same idea. I have been among you. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, will be with you. The Spirit remains with you, and I will be in you. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, will come to him, and make our home with him. And then he, Jesus talks about going to be with the Father. This idea of actual togetherness Presence together is a very important idea to Jesus. There's not something that is being done. It's not a you're achieving something. It is time together. And so if we don't start with with that as apprentices of Jesus, everything else kind of won't really matter, you know? We have to be with Jesus, spend time with Jesus. Elsewhere, and actually in the very next chapter, Jesus says the phrase, remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me. So it's an instruction from him. And then in, in the Great Commission, he tells us he will be with us always to the end of the age. That's kind of where we're starting in this. Um, I think that's a, the goal that, that is easier to understand, but one of the ones that probably is easy, so easy to leave out in our lives, to not spend time with Jesus. The next one is become like Jesus. Become like Jesus. I like to think of this one as the internal transformation that we experience. If you think too long and hard about these behind me, they all muddle together, which isn't a horrible thing, but they can stop meaning anything if you let it, you know? Like, you're like, wait, what's the distinction between become like and do what he did? Become like. I like to think of this as the internal transformation that we experience when we follow Jesus. So, just in, in John 14, here's the things that that um, I think. Shout out this. Believe in the Father and believe in me, this internal decision that we believe in what Jesus is saying and who he is. Um, Believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me is what Jesus says. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. Making this internal feeling, this internal decision that we believe who Jesus is, we believe that what he's done changes everything. In John 16, he says, the spirit inside us will guide us and convict us towards righteousness. And then also elsewhere, Jesus says, whoever holds on to his life will lose it. Whoever lets go of his life will save it. So belief can't just be this thing that's like, I believe that Santa exists. You know what I mean? That's not what Jesus is talking about when he talks about belief. I definitely, I don't believe that anyway. It's surrender, it's denying oneself, it's releasing control, inviting God's Spirit to do His work in us. That's what he means when he says believe. There's an internal transformation that happens. Paul talks about the same thing, talking about us being a new creation, being transformed by the renewing of our minds. So, that's kind of the idea I want you to take away from this one. The becoming like Jesus is an internal transformation, internal change, a new creation. Um, and then in John 7, Jesus says, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture said, li- rivers of living water will flow from within us. So that's a, that's a really big change within us that we could become springs of living water. So as we become like Jesus, internal transformation has to happen. We become a new creation. Um, and that, that is what matters first before we start thinking about how we act and what we do outside of that. They're all interconnected, but I do, I do think there's a distinction there. Internal transformation. Become like Jesus. I think we most of us know ourselves, and if we would describe ourselves most days, we don't feel a lot like Jesus. So, some things have to really change inside of us, and we have to surrender a lot to allow Jesus to change us from the inside. The third one is do what Jesus did. This is, I like to think of this as the external action. Being sent out, being commissioned to go and make disciples, to go and follow Jesus' commands, the external action. In John 14, here's the ways that he references this idea. Truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. If you love me, you will keep my commands. The one who has my commands keeps them and is the one who loves me. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. My Father will love him. He will come and make, we will come and make our home with him. The one who does not love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but from the Father who sent me. Like I said a second ago, Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. So this is, this is the external action. This is us responding to what not only being with Jesus and the internal transformation happens inside of us, but going and doing the commandments He told us, going and doing the things He commissioned us to do, to go and be like Him. So, this is like taking an active part in our world. This is taking an active part in your neighborhood. This is taking an active part in your workplace, um, in our church community. You're a worker, you're a minister, you're an ambassador. This is that part of the apprenticeship to Jesus. And I just want to shout out a little bit the everything being in the circle of love Jesus is very important. Um, two weeks ago when I talked about our mission as a church and our values as a church, I went on a little side rant about loving Jesus. Some of you might remember that. But that is absolutely essential. I mean, it kind of seems a little obvious, like why would you do any of this if you don't love Jesus, you know? But we have to make that make sure that that's part of uh, our thinking in this. This love and affection for Jesus, loving Him, He first loved us. That is a foundational element to this. And so, when we're kind of working a little bit on this diagram together, the idea of like we have to surround this whole thing and love Jesus, or it it ends up kind of starting to be workspace, kind of starting to be something about here's what you do without first. Assuming or first deciding that we do love Jesus. So, if you want to hear the whole, the full rant, you can listen to the two weeks ago sermon. Um, so, let me reiterate to you: these are not steps, um, even though I talked about them having distinct differences. These are goals. Steps are like one, two, three, and you're done. Goals are like well, we have to work at this over and over and over in our lives. We can't just do this once and call it good and expect to get a lot of results out of it. We can't expect to be a master of something, a skilled person at to something tomorrow. You know what I mean? It takes time. It takes effort. It takes a lot of trying the same things over and over um, and goals that we will never graduate from. So don't don't fall into that trap of thinking, I do this, I do this, I do this, and then I'm done. I'm good. Uh, I think sometimes the reason we do that, or maybe one of the downsides of doing that, is that we get frustrated there's not progress. We get frustrated when we feel like we're in a rut. We get frustrated when we feel like we're not seeing a lot of change in our lives. Um, We have to keep at these things. This is how Jesus makes us more like him. This is how Jesus transforms us. This is how we know him. It's just to be with him. So just don't fall into that trap of thinking that these are steps. So let me... Shout out, go back to our example of Clint, the leather craftsman. I think it's a perfect example because I know for a fact that one thing that made doing leather work really appealing to him is just spending time with his grandfather at first. Before he was even a skilled helper, before he could even be somebody who could uh, actually accomplish much in the workshop or whatever, spending time with his grandfather was the, the basis of all of this stuff. Um, over time, there started being this desire that grew in Clint internally to become like his grandfather, to become a leather craftsman himself. That had to happen at some point. Um, as he watched what, the work that he did, as he watched um, and kind of grew appreciation for the beauty of leather and the, the, the desire to help people in a really practical way, um, and then eventually, as he started picking up his own skills and learning from his grandfather and the practical elements too, he did what his grandfather did. He was able then to be a leather craftsman himself and do what his grandfather did. And I think that, that for me, as I was thinking about this this week, is a much better, in some ways, relatable aspect of apprenticeship because that is the kind of relationship Jesus wants with us. It is possible, sure, to learn blacksmithing and not love the person you're learning blacksmithing from or whatever. But I think that like fatherly, grandfatherly, parental, um, kind of loving to be with someone really is an important part of this. Um, And so I know that in his story, that's a big part of it. Um, The next point after the, so we're going to close off that section. Apprenticeship requires lifelong goals. Next is apprenticeship requires practical habits. Apprenticeship requires practical habits. So Jesus is himself an apprentice of the Father. Don't you see that? Even in John 14, he, he shouts that out. He isn't just modeling being a teacher. He's also modeling apprenticeship. He talks about submission to the Father. What he says and does is what the Father has directed him to do. Don't get confused about like the Trinity, stuff like that. Like I'm not making a, a bold statement about... Jesus being lesser or anything like that. But Jesus models submission to us. He models apprenticeship to us with the Father. Um, And there's this this phrase you've probably heard about called this spiritual disciplines, which is an old, old practice, an ancient practice of doing the things that Jesus did, taking notes from how he lived his life. Um, I've heard the phrase habits of Jesus. To me, that's a little bit more helpful um, and it's more Jesus centric. However, you've heard it. We're going to talk a little bit about that, but I wanted just to kind of help translate the different sections that we may be coming from, the different backgrounds that we may be coming from about that. What well, we're going to be talking about practical things that Jesus did that we can look at his life and look at his habits and glean a lot from them. So, um, Jesus modeled this, and I think one thing we can take from this before we even talk about the actual practicals so is just the way that we live really does matter. The way that we actually live, not just the way we think, not even just like having goals in mind, but the way we then end up living out our days, the way we spend our hours matters. That shouldn't be that radical of a statement, but um, but it's it's really challenging one to really put into practice. And this has always been a concern of God's. So even when Solomon in First Kings was building the temple, God took an aside and said, now, okay, about this temple you're building very cool. I'm I'm into it. But what I really deeply care about is how you live your life. Walking in my ways, following my commands, being righteous. And he makes that note. Of course, we kind of know Solomon's story is he wanders quite a bit. That's been a concern of God's for a long time. And even in Isaiah 66, um, he writes, I will look favorably, this is God speaking though, I'll work favorably on this kind of person, one who's humble, one who's submissive in spirit, one who trembles at and follows my word. Even James in the New Testament talks about this. Wisdom is not what we think up here. It's not knowledge up here. It is right living. It's how we live our lives. You can look a bunch of places and see this consistent through the through the Bible. How we actually end up living matters immensely to God. So, how do our lives look practically, um, and how do we take what Jesus did and insert and, and that into our lives practically? So, here's some habits of Jesus I want to just list There's a lot of ways to categorize these. There's no, I don't like the idea of very, very standard lists that are like set in stone. But here's some things you can see all over Jesus' life. Prayer. I I didn't send a slide uh, of this to John, by the way, so I apologize right now. Prayer, reading scripture, worship, silence and solitude, Sabbath slash godly rest, and fasting. Those are things we see come up multiple times. Those aren't the only things, though. So I kind of want to relate these. When we talk about practical things that we do in our lives, um, I want to relate these back to leather craftsmanship. Here's some things that I know go into being an actual leather craftsman, the practical daily things you have to start putting into practice in your life. You have to be good at design. You have to know how to measure, how to cut things. You have to know how to sew and stitch. You have to know how to burnish, finish, wax edges. You have to learn intricate, detailed, custom tooling. You have to learn conditioning and repairing old leather items. You have to learn how to maintain your tools. So this idea of having some practical things we have to employ in our lives can sometimes get quickly over into a legalistic uh, kind of way of thinking. But we have to view it in the practical. The way we live our lives, it does require getting skills, getting tools in our lives that we use daily, or we aren't really apprentices at all, are we? Um, So I want to make that distinction. But an easy fear of this is getting very, very attached to the ritual, very attached to the doing a thing, checking a box. I did pray. I I fast this many times every single week. I blah, 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 you name it. And that being our goal in life, that being our God, instead of our goal being like Jesus, being with Jesus, being becoming like him and doing what he did, so as we talk about some practicals and as we think about those and discuss them across the year, I want that to be something that we don't get mixed up on we're not we 're not thinking that these things themselves, these practical things are going to transform us. Jesus himself is who does that, so the habits alone don't save us, but there is a way to approach things like this in a self-centered way, almost like a health approach, you know, like, my, oh, it's part of my fitness routine, or even today in our, in our day, the, like, um, just mindfulness, you know, which is good stuff, but thinking, like, oh, this is just really good. If I do this, it's really good for my mental health. Um, this is more than that. This is about our apprenticeship to Jesus and becoming like him and needing to have things that are part of our daily lives or we will never end up there. Does that make sense? So I think that's one thing, one way to go would be the very legalistic way. (laughs) I think the other extreme that's actually much more common in this room, from those of you I know, is to not think that these things will matter. Not think that prayer and reading Scripture and fasting and silence and solitude and Sabbath and rest— That they'll ever matter. We don't think that if we do them, it's going to make a difference in our lives. We don't think they're going to bring us closer to God. We don't think they'll help us look, look more like Jesus, so we don't even try. And that's what I see most of us doing, including myself. We don't even try. We don't think it's going to accomplish anything. But these are the exact things that Jesus Himself did to stay connected to the Father, that He Himself did to remain in line with the Father's will, to remain impervious to temptation, to endure difficulty and stress and sadness and frustration. These are the things that Jesus built into his life to be able to do that Mm -hmm. in a daily sense. So I'm going to read those again. Um, Prayer, reading scripture, worship, silence and solitude, Sabbath and godly rest, Mm -hmm. fasting. Those are things that Jesus regularly turned to, to remain in the Father's will. There has to be something we can glean from that Jesus himself valued these things so highly. So as we think about how do we apprentice to Jesus, we have to both do what he did um, as well as be with him, as well as become like him. Do you see how this is just this? this they all bleed together. They all come up over and over. That's why those goals are, are so important and that they need to all overlap for us to be apprentices. So one thing that was really cool, this is probably two months ago, Kurt, who's with the kids today, Um, shared a devotion at our men's breakfast. And he said something like this. I didn't write it down in the moment, but this is how it stuck with me. What are you doing right now to get you to be where you want to be with Jesus in 20 years, in 30 years, in 50 years? What are you doing right now to get you there? What's your life look like? And are you on the track you kind of want to be on? He asked that question, and it was kind of like this. It was like this, this stillness in the room. It's a big one. It's a big question. I want to encourage you to think about that um, this week. What are you doing right now to be where you want to be with Jesus in the future? Another way to put this is that we are all, at any given time, we're all being formed into something. We're all being formed into someone. We're all being formed by the things that we read things that we watch, the people that we listen to, all of that stuff. So, who are you being formed into? Who are you being formed into? Eventually, in 10, 20, 30, 50 years, you're going to end up as someone. You're going to end up as something. So, what's it going to be? And I want to tell you something that kind of slowly dawned on me Um, in my later years in college into my first years being out of college and and trying to figure the world out and life out, um, I figured out that no one can apprentice under Jesus for you. No one can apprentice under Jesus for you. No one can follow Jesus for you. We can learn from other people, yes, that's absolutely essential. But we cannot try to do this in isolation, obviously, but no one can do it for you. I've sometimes found myself in ruts, in my apprenticeship to Jesus before I even had that kind of language. Um, or rather than ruts, I found myself in times where apprenticeship was just completely placed on the back burner, not at all the way that I was thinking, not in my goals, not in my daily life, every other thing taking priority over it. Right. And then in 2019, I left the job I'd been in in ministry um, for a humanitarian ministry for five years, and I felt like it was the right call, but it caused like this whole identity crisis for me. I talked about this a bit with our small group a couple weeks ago. And I didn't know what I was supposed to do next. I felt like I really didn't have my bearings or any clear direction. I just didn't know what to do. And I just kind of stayed in that state for a while and kind of let myself stay there. Until I realized that I didn't really want to be there anymore. I did, I did want to figure out what I should do. I did want direction in my life. And I realized I wanted God to do that. I wanted God to be the one to, to help me out of that rut. I didn't feel like I could get myself out of there on my own, but I knew that God probably could. So I had to let him do that, though. I knew that no one else was going to do it for me. Um, no other human being could get me out of that identity, direction, mission, purpose rut that I was in. And one of the first things I started doing that was just to, like, the, to get me off of my butt, both like literally and also spiritually, metaphorically, was I just started going on prayer walks every morning? It was the only thing that kind of appealed to me at the time. I was kind of in a weird spot, so I just made myself do it. So that's where this the practical and the 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 more lifelong goal kind of comes together. It it was that little start that allowed me to let to just start spending time with Jesus, to be with Jesus. The goal wasn't to accomplish something at the at the time. It was just I want God to help me out of this rut I'm in. Maybe I should go spend time with him. Um, it didn't even start with trying to read a bunch of Scripture. It was just, let me get out. Let me just spend time with God. And it really was a great start. That's, that's just my personal situation there. I'm not saying that that's exactly the, the start for everybody. Your story is different. But the practical and the goal uh, and the those all have to come together. In a way for us to get going on this and starting on this. And it got me back on track to just wanting to apprentice to Jesus, to start trending in the direction uh, to being with him, becoming like him, doing what he did. Um, and so, no one else can do it for you. No one else can do it for you. So, think about those habits of Jesus. Which of those, when you when we read that list out loud, which of those kind of stuck out to you as one that's been very absent from your life or maybe one that you were like, ah, man, I really love that. I used to really love just spending time in worship. I used to really just love spending time in prayer and I don't do that or I've never done that. Whatever it is for you, whatever jumped out to you, I want you to think about how to start on that tomorrow. Tomorrow, how do you start building habits into your life to to help you spend time with Jesus more, become like him and do what he did? But start tomorrow, but go slow and steady. We're not rushing to a destination. We're not rushing to a destination. We are we're all about a way, not a destination, a way. This is the way to live, the way to truth, a way to life to the full. And that way is Jesus. That way, if we want truth, we have to go through Jesus. Also, think about those three goals, if you'll put those back up, um, John. John. Do any of those three goals, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did, feel especially absent from your life, missing from your approach to Jesus? And if so, think about that one specifically. Spend time working on that one specifically. If you're like, I'm trying really hard in my own power just to do what Jesus did, but the other things aren't there, I think that might be the answer to why it may not feel like it's working. Whatever it is for you, Think about those three goals and and figure out which one's missing, what's, what's not been in your approach to Jesus, and start trying to have a balanced, more balanced apprenticeship to him start tomorrow. One thing that, um, that I've really liked, and I, I think a lot of us have plugged a bunch of times, um, is the show The Chosen. Some of you guys have been like, yes, watched it, loved it. Some of you, for some puzzling reason, just no matter how many times... We try to bring it up. You just won't watch it. You're just not going to watch it. You're just, no one can get that stick out of the mud, that's for sure. So let me just tell you, hey, um, so Em and I have been re-watching it. I guess I should describe it. It is a show that is basically about the life of Jesus. And even though it's a Christian thing, their budget's actually pretty good, so it's not horrible. Um, But one of the things that I've noticed that I've really liked about this show is it just reminds you about the humanness of Jesus, that he was a real person. There's not there's not this just like kind of ethereal thing we have to sort of really try to force ourselves to care about having a relationship with. Jesus is a human. He's a person, and he's also God. And I think when I watch that show, one of the reasons I can rewatch it a lot um, is because I love that feeling. I love that reminder. We finished, they've only had two seasons done, and um, so far, and we finished season two again yesterday, and um, and I was just crying after watching it because I just had this feeling like I just want to be with him, like I just want to be with Jesus, and when you're forced to kind of think of him as a person, it's a lot easier to do that. I didn't have to try to muster that feeling, okay? I missed Jesus. There's not more of the show right now, <laughs> so my time with Jesus, um, it, it's all up to me to do it. But it helped remind me of just that he is a person. He's someone I want to be with. He's someone who, who I want to follow, I want to become like. Um, and so if, if that seems like it would be helpful for you, that's a very practical thing you could do. You could watch that show. I'm basically telling you to watch a show. Isn't that great? But it just I think it bridges a gap that, um, that we have a little bit in our, mi- in our minds of, of not being able to think of him as a person. Um, so let me recommend that to you. It's a free show. It is, you just download an app and watch it. I'm pretty sure that's, that's the way it works. But, um, and if you're kind of making fun of me because I was crying about it, I can't wait until your eyes are just wells, just springs of living water coming out of your eyes because it's going to happen to you and I can't wait for it to happen. You're going to be so embarrassed um, let me just kind of leave you guys with this. I was reading this in 2 Corinthians, um, Paul really talking about something I think that that speaks to, to this whole thing we're going for here. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who's the Spirit. And later he says, there, therefore, we do not give up. We don't give up. Even though our outer person can sometimes be destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Jesus is renewing us. The Holy Spirit is renewing us day by day. We do not give up. We're being transformed into someone like Jesus. Isn't that a miracle? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that crazy? So I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, we want to be your apprentices. We want to be with you. We want to be like you. We want to do what you did. Please help us every step of the way. Please help us every day. Thank you for wanting to be with us. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to be with us every day. Help us to be aware, comforted, counseled by the Holy Spirit's presence. Lord, you're holy. You have no rival. You're the only thing that's good. Lord, please let your kingdom come here as soon as possible. We just ask that your will be the one that's done and not ours. We can't wait for creation to be renewed and restored, all things be healed, Lord. Give, Give us everything we need every day to become your apprentices. And, Lord, we are going to wander. We're going to struggle. Please forgive us. We're going to try to live our lives for ourselves on accident. We're going to wander that way. Please forgive us. Please have grace for us as we sin against you and we sin against those around us, as we hurt people around us. Lord, protect us from the lies that we tell ourselves often, that we hear from the enemy, that we tell others Or protect us from those and and instead replace that with your truth. God, be the king of our daily lives. Be the king of our community. Be the king of our universe. Amen.